Good morning, everyone. So, for those who don't know me, my name is Clayton. And I'm married to Vanessa, my lovely wife. And God has given us a lovely son, too. His name is Victor. And together with my family, we moved to Gothenburg two years ago. And we did it because we, we, feel, and we, yeah, we feel like God is preparing something great for this city. And we, we just want to be part of it. And so that's why we are here. And yeah, and, but we have some fun here, too. For, for example, in my free time, usually from 8 to 5, I pretend to be an engineer at Volvo. <laughs> Believe you or not, and they, they even pay me money in the end of the month. So that's great. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, I need my Bible. Uh, I forget it. <laughs> One second. Uh, jokes aside, um, so... I'm very pleased to, to share this message with you today. Uh, it's an encounter of Jesus with a man from Jericho. Does anyone have an idea who he is? He's from Jericho, and it was an encounter with Jesus. Idea? I can give. Yeah? Okay, okay. Please. Jo uh, yeah, could be. <laughs> We never know. <laughs> uh, I can give you some more tips. So he, he was rich but poor. Any guess? Yeah, Matthew? Could be. <laughs> we never know. <laughs> he was a big fan of plants, mainly sycamore fig trees. <laughs> yeah. And he was a little, uh, wee little man, so we, we all know now that uh, if you thought about Zacchaeus, you were correctly. Thank you, and thank you, Matthew. So I love this story. Um, it's so powerful, so good. And so without further ado, uh, let's open our Bible or device, so, uh, device in Luke uh, chapter 19. I have it opened here. So Luke is the third book of the New Testament. And we're going to be reading through, through verse 1 to 10. All right. So, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there uh, named, uh, sorry, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he, uh, he was short, uh, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree um, to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus! Come thou immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came thou at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. 
And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Isn't that an amazing story? It preaches by itself, so I can go home now. <laughs> um, so to make it easy for me to, to go through the text, and I will use this beautiful drawing, drawn by Victor. And he asked me to hide this information, but I'm terrible keeping secrets, so well done, Victor. <laughs> um, so we, we can clearly see Jesus here with a, a green t-shirt and the, the crowd behind him and Zacchaeus hidden on above the tree. And we're going to be covering three points. So the first point will be Zacchaeus as an incredible hated man who was completely lost. Can you hear me well? Okay. Uh, the crowd that uh, distracts the lost by using different approaches. And the third one will be, of course, Jesus, because there is no sermon without Jesus, and I'm not planning to do that heresy today. So Jesus as a solution for uh, everything. So when uh, talking about Zacchaeus first, when Luke starts uh, setting the scene, uh, describing who Zacchaeus was and what uh, the issues were, he started explaining that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And nowadays, one may think that maybe Zacchaeus was, could, could have, for example, a leadership position at Skatevert. But that is not the case. It's way beyond what we can imagine. For example, um, what Luke was trying to say, was saying actually, was that Zacchaeus was one of the most hated men amongst Jews and Romans at the time. So it was like this. When the Roman Empire, they conquered a land, they would uh, appoint some folks from the land to collect the taxes. And so they would say something like this. So, uh, hey, here's the deal. We need you to collect the taxes from uh, these people, the, the tax that they own us. So you are going to have Roman soldiers to go along with you because they will want to kill you. So you need some Roman soldiers to go along. So you can uh, collect the, the money from uh, your fellow fellows countrymen. And, and, but to make sure that you are going to get the correct amount of money, we offer you an incentive. So anything you get above what they own us, you can keep it to yourself as long as we get our cut. So you can, you can imagine if you accept the position like this, your name would be mud or you would be known as a traitor, or persona non grata, or a sinner, as they called him. That was the issue. And if we could compare today, it's difficult to compare because we say, ah, he was a chef, uh, tax collector, so it's not so uh, something uh, strange to us. But actually, if, we, if, if I'm there to compare today, we would say that we could compare with a pedophile, so to say. It's when we hear this word, we just, ooh. yeah, and I think at that time it was like this when they said someone is a uh, tax collector. And, yeah. So if you accept a position like this, your name would be mud. 
And even the Romans, they wouldn't like you because they would say, they would look at you and say, uh, you know what, you have betrayed your own people for money, so how can I trust you? So it's like Zacchaeus, he had money because he, he was wealthy, and, but he had no friend, so money was not uh, solving his uh, situation. So he had no friend at all. And talking about money, he was wealthy too, right? He was uh, wealthy. And, but money and resources sometimes can be an issue. It's, n it's not the money itself that is the problem. The problem is the, the value that we give to it. Sometimes we put money even above God. For example, something happens in my life, and then the first thing I do is I check my bank account, and then I see, oh, there's a problem here. Maybe I should pray. So uh, first I go to my mom, and then if my mom doesn't help me, then I go to God. And sometimes we, does, uh, we, we do this kind of thing, and including myself. And yeah, here is just an alert. Um, and basically what we are doing, we... we we are turning money into uh, a god that we worship, into an idol, I would say, that we worship and pursue it. So money is meant to be a servant and not a master. And Zacchaeus, he had let money to become his master. We, we could see it. He had no friend. He had money to, to buy. Uh, he probably, probably he had the, one of the best houses in town. He ate the best foods available. And, yeah, he had a big table, but until that fateful day, it was an empty table. So we can clearly see here that money can buy a big house, money can buy a nice car, which I like very much, uh, could buy clothes, could buy a lot of things, but money doesn't buy relationship, money doesn't buy uh, fellowship, Money doesn't buy joy, doesn't buy, doesn't buy hope. Yeah, true. <laughs> and, and there's another curiosity about the name Zacchaeus, because we, we can see all over the Bible that uh, names meant something back then. And do you happen to know what, is, uh, what his, names mean, his name means? Zacchaeus means righteous one, pure one, innocent one. Doesn't that sound funny to see this guy? Everybody was looking at him and say, sinner, and his name meant innocent. Interesting. Anyway, he wanted to see who, uh, he wanted to see Jesus, uh, most probably because he heard something about Jesus, about a miracle, miracle or something like that. Um, but there was a problem which leads us to the second point here, that is uh, the crowd. And if we read carefully through the text, we will see some, uh, some verses that we, we, can, we, can, we can see that the, the crowd was creating kind of psychological or uh, physical barriers that was uh, stopping uh, Zacchaeus to get along or to come uh, and meet Jesus. So we, we can read, he couldn't see over the crowd. All the people saw this and they muttered, Jesus 
Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So, like I said before, not even the, the, the Romans uh, liked Zacchaeus. So, in his mind, probably, it was something like this. Nobody wants to do anything with me. Why would this guy want to be something with me? I would love to see this guy, but he probably doesn't want anything to do with me. So, he just uh, climbed up the tree. And, but we, we, we can see the, the mess that was in his head, in his mind. So, so all those uh, words or conversation in his head was stopping him from come and meet Jesus. What is the crowd saying to you today that is stopping you from come and see Jesus? What is it the crowd is saying to you? What is the crowd saying to you? On the one hand, we, we can think of a secular culture saying to you that, for example, maybe the crowd is saying to you that God is dead. Maybe the crowd is saying to you that you can be whatever you want to be. Or maybe the crowd is saying to you that money buys happiness. Right? Maybe the crowd is saying that you are the captain of your faith. Or maybe the crowd is saying that if you dive deep into your soul, into yourself, you will find happiness and joy. What is the crowd saying to you today that is stopping you from coming and meet Jesus? And on the other hand, we can think us, believers, sometimes acting more like the crowd. And how do you think we, as believers, we can stop people from uh, come and meet Jesus? Do you think this is possible? Unfortunately, it's true, including myself in it. Maybe when we don't share our faith, we are stopping people to come, right? Sometimes I feel like we overcomplicate things. We, I mean, there are people worried about sharing the good news because they think, what should I say? What should I do? And what if I don't know how to explain something about the Bible? And so I will not share the gospel or I will not share the good news in the workplace and, and stuff. But in the reality, is most of us, we, we don't share Jesus because of those things, and including myself on it, being honest. Sometimes I just, okay, maybe another day, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, and never happened, unfortunately. So I tend to believe that it is because we put too much expectations. So believers are people who come to realize that we are no different to the lost. We were all lost without Jesus. There is one quote that I like very much, which is from Daniel Niles, a famous pastor, evangelist, and writer back then in the 90s. And he wrote this passage that, that I think it's amazing. Evangelism is witness. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. 
Friends, just tell Jesus about what he has done to you. That he's given you hope. That he's given you salvation. That once I was this and now I'm that. And what happened in between is Jesus. Just that, simple like that. Just simple like that. I was in the mud and now I'm free. I was terrible, sad, and now I'm happy. I have joy, I have hope. Every day in the morning, his blessings renew to me. And I'm, yeah, just tell about Jesus. Testimony, relationship with God. No religious thing, just relationship with God. And then, going back to the third point, Jesus. So, Jesus it's amazing to see that because Jesus approached uh, such a situation with the crowd and then he just asks, can't you see that this man is a son of Abraham too? He's your brother. He's your brother. Can't you see that? Sometimes I wonder how many sons and daughters of Abraham we meet every day and we don't Remind them that they are sons and daughters of Abraham. Right? But now let's talk about what happens when Jesus uh, engages with this wee little man. So let's imagine the scene. Jesus walks along, then he looks up and engages him personally and powerfully. Say, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I want to come over to your house. So, and Jesus called him by name, Zacchaeus. But I don't believe that Jesus was only saying, uh, saying Zacchaeus, calling him by name. I think Jesus was also remembering Zacchaeus, the, the meaning of his name. Righteous one, innocent one, pure one. That is so powerful. And, and Jesus does the same thing today. He, he gives us new identity. So it's no, no longer Oliver. It's righteous. It's no longer Emily. It's blameless. It's no longer Vanessa. It's son of light. New identities. And every day the Holy Spirit is encouraging, encouraging us to be more like Christ. To get... Um, yeah, you know, to, to personate this new identity. He encourages us and he confronts us every day for that. And Jesus just said, come quickly. There is an, uh, an urgency here. I'm coming over to a house. Let's go. Zacchaeus, it is interesting to see. We can clearly see grace here. Because Zacchaeus, he went to see Jesus. But instead, Jesus saw him. Saying, he thought, maybe I will see this guy at uh, the back of his head, something like this, just then I can tell my, my friends that I saw Jesus passing by. But actually, Jesus saw him. And it's amazing because a relationship begins on both ways. Jesus and Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus and Jesus, right? He looks up, engages him personally and uh, publicly, uh, by, calling him by, uh, by calling him by name, and it's so powerful. And, yeah, and 
when Jesus called him innocent, blameless, Jesus was remembering, uh, reminding Zacchaeus that through him he could be this guy. Your name doesn't match up with the way you were living right now, but through me you can be right, righteous. You can be blameless. You can be innocent. You can be poor, pure. We, we can see the gospel here. Jesus just comes along. There is no, no, falling, uh, no falling rules. There is no pushing buttons. There isn't a list of 10 things that you need to do before I come over to your house. No. There is just joy, repentance, salvation. And that's it. That's amazing. Zacchaeus, you know what? When, you, when your mother-in-law comes to your house and you think, oh, maybe I need to, to clean the house and I, the fridge needs to be full of food and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus just jump over those things and he says, oh, let's come over. And maybe Zacchaeus was thinking, ah, maybe I should run ahead and then I will clean my house. I will set that big table that I have. I will cook the best food available at home. And then maybe I will take a shower, something like this. <laughs> but no, Jesus just, just jumped ahead and said, no, let's come over. I'm coming. So they spend time together. They eat together, they drink together, they talk together, they laugh together. And there's joy, there's repentance, and there's salvation. All faces of the true gospel. And talking about repentance, we can clearly see that Zacchaeus repent. So, um, by the way, the saving faith in Jesus, Jesus always leads to uh, life transformation. The true uh, faith in Jesus always leads to life transformation. So Jesus loves you so much that he's willing to, to, to meet you right where you are, the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. So um, he sees the good, the bad, and the ugly. But you know what? He accepts you. He sees you. He knows you. And he, he seeks you every single day. And by God's grace, he, uh, he also sees what you can be through him. So at this moment, uh, on your seat, there are two people seated. The person that you are right now and the person you could be through him. At this moment, including myself, Anita, I'm not seated, but through God's transformative grace. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope that we hold on. And we can see that some people think that repentance is something like, I was running that way and then I understand this is not the right way and then I stop it. But no, actually repentance, I was going towards that direction and then I see that it's not correct and then I understand this is the wrong path that I should have taken. So I turn around 306 degrees and then I go towards the other direction. We can see Zacchaeus, he loved the money, he wants money, so he was taking from people, but now he's giving his money away to the others. It's change of direction.
and he gives money away because he found something much more worthy. Jesus. So I don't know who you are today, and I don't know what's going on in your life, but if you were, if you were like me in the past, maybe you were thinking, ah, oh, you know, maybe I'm a sinner, but I'm not that bad. I never robbed a bank. I never killed anybody. Uh, ah, come on, give me a break here. That was the way I think, I thought, when I was young, because uh, I grew up in a Christian uh, house, so I thought, ah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm not that bad. But, you know, the Bible tells us that there is good in everybody, but there is sin enough to ruin the whole. That's why we all need Jesus. Without Him, we are lost. But the good news is that He is seeking the ones who are lost. If you feel lost today, you are in the best place you could be. Can I invite the band, please? You may not realize it, but you are unbelievable worth to God. You are unbelievable worth to God. And as the band starts to play, I would um, want to, you to think about this. How much you think you're worth to God? How much you think God is willing to pay for you? And we can find the answer in John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is how much you worth to God. This is how much he is willing to pay for you. Even if you were the only person on earth, he would have sent Jesus to die for you. And today he sees you. He knows you. And he's calling you by your name. He's asking, uh, can I be with you? Can I eat with you? Can I come along to your house? And I will give you uh, an opportunity for you to say yes uh, to that right now, that invitation. So let's close our eyes and I'm going to start to say a short prayer. And at the end of it, if you want to, to accept that invitation, you, would you say yes? Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know everything. You know our names. You still call people by name. And we feel that there are people here today that is receiving this invitation. Would you encourage them? Would you empower them to, to say yes to that invitation I pray that at this moment God fills your heart with his grace 
that you can have a taste what is to have a life, a relationship with Him. If you feel that God is calling you today, I encourage you to say yes to Him. Look at Him. He sees you. He knows you. And He's calling you. In Jesus' name, Amen.